Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I have voiceover artist um, as well as actress Alice Everdeen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolute pleasure. I've been excited about this. I mean, it's got to be a little uh, different type of guest than normal. I mean, like you're still an entrepreneur, um, if yeah. you think about it, because you're still doing things for yourself. So, you know, you fit the bill, but it's uh, I've never had a voiceover artist before. A little bit of a different path than most, and I didn't even expect to be here myself. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, right? And uh, it's kind of unique to me because I was uh, totally into the whole radio thing, you know, in my younger days. And oh, I still am when we were podcasting. <laughs> so mm -hmm. this is awesome. But I like to start off every show with you giving us a uh, brief bio of who you are, uh, what you do, and how you got there. Hi. Yeah. So my name's Alice. Um, I started doing voiceovers full time about two years ago at this point. But until then, my path had been I went to school and I knew I wanted to work in TV production. So I worked um, I was in MSNBC for a few years and I quickly realized that working overnights and working weekends and uh, being under incredible amounts of stress all the time was a little bit overwhelming. So I switched to local news and then I moved to Austin, Texas. And once again, I realized overnights were not uh, not in my long tenure plan. <laughs> so I started working at an advertising agency and I was doing TV production. I was writing scripts. I was uh, shooting video. I was editing um, doing all the things. And one day as a joke, I started reading a script as a voiceover artist and they really liked it. And I was shocked. So I did a couple there and then I switched to a different company where I also did a few voiceovers there and I dabbled a little bit. And right before the pandemic hit the U S um, my partner and I decided that we wanted to travel full-time. And at the time, the pre-COVID days, my company was not allowing me to work from home. So I said, okay, let me try doing some voiceovers, just seeing if I can make a couple hundred dollars here and there every month for gas money. And so I, uh, I made an account on Fiverr.com and the first month I made a couple thousand bucks and I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is huge. Like, this is not a couple hundred dollars. And within about four months, I was matching my full-time salary and I was able to do it full-time. And so since then, I've kind of expanded my brand. I've moved off of Fiverr. Uh, I'm still on Fiverr, but I've also done my own self-marketing. Um, I've joined other platforms. And as cliche as it sounds, the rest is history. It's been a wild, wild ride. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's like, <laughs> what can I say? You know what I mean? Like, imagine that, like, just you know, you wanted to travel and you found a way to do it in a sense. It's sort of like manifesting it, right? Exactly. Like, yes. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Now, your industry is not an easy industry to get in. And, and by the way, I've listened to some of your demo reels and I could see what the attraction is. It's like, <laughs> it's like even your regular voice isn't the same. It's like you get in this radio mode and it's like totally different. And it's like incredible. It's like I'm listening to it and I'm going, whoa. <laughs> like I did not expect that in a good way. <laughs> So I yeah, appreciate that. pleasure. So yeah, so my point was, it's not an easy, uh, you know, industry to get in or break through, and uh, many, many, most people fail. Let's put it that way. So what was that point where you go, where you said, you know what, it's working for me. I'm on the right path. I'm not looking back. 
Oh my gosh. I honestly, I probably have to credit my boyfriend for that one because once I started making decent money, imposter syndrome came in. And I said, I'm not qualified to do this. I don't have any training to be doing this. I felt bad that, you know, there's people that have been trying to get in the industry for 10 years that weren't doing super well financially and I could. So it really was for a while just leaning on him for support and then fake it till you make it and uh, crossing my fingers. And I think at the point, I think the the point of no return was when I quit my full-time job because, you know, I had a, I had financial stability. I had my, my paid holidays. I had benefits. Um, I had a job that I knew I could come back to every day and going into the freelance world is really scary because you might have a really great month. And then, you know, one day my Fiverr account could get banned or blocked or something and I lose all of that revenue. So I think once I made that commitment to really go full time with it and to quit my job, that was kind of the point where uh, I couldn't turn back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, like good for you. I mean, like, was there, um, was there any th points like, like, I'm going to say, like, I'm sure you didn't wake up when, you know, when you were six years old and say, Hey, when I get older, I'm going to do this. Right. Like, so what did you think you were going to do growing up? So even when I was young, the only thing I knew I wanted to do was TV production. Uh, I went to college for it. I had four internships at MSNBC. By the time I graduated, I was offered a job. I was offered a job right out of graduation. Um, so I always knew I wanted to do that. But at the back of my mind, you know, even as a kid, I would be mimicking commercials on the radio. I would be doing prank phone calls with my friends. I would be narrating. My friends and I would make like jackass style videos, which, you know, Steve-O's out there like snorting wasabi and I'm badass jumping off a, a swing set three feet off the ground. So I was always doing something with, with voiceover. Looking back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, like all the pieces were there, but I never really realized that was a career path. And it's, it's not like you go to school for that kind of thing. You just, most people just kind of fall into it, whether through radio or through acting. And I had neither of those things. So it was kind of an odd path, but I'm super grateful I got there eventually. Right. And I, here, you also said like TV production, all that, like, what was your thought exactly? Like, 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 did you think that you'd be like the personality or do you think you work behind the scenes or do you kind of thought it could be either or? Oh my gosh. Never on air. Never. I did it in college. I remember a bit getting waked up, woken up at four o'clock in the morning one day and they said, uh, the host didn't show up. Can you do it? And I said, okay, I'll try it out. And I watched that video back and I was just covering my eyes. I just, cause I have, I have resting bitch face, like to the max, <laughs> which is abundantly clear when watching the videos of me. So, um, after that, I decided on camera is not my forte. And from there, I, I did a lot of script writing and I mainly did writing and producing. So I would kind of build segments and write them. And I never wanted to be on air, which is a little funny now that that's my main job. But right. Okay. That's true. So, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, okay. So you, you're a good writer, obviously. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So where, where's the future going to take you? Like, wh where do you see yourself like five years, 10 years from now? Like, cause, you know, you could be doing what you're doing now, but I mean, I'm sure that wasn't your original plan and you're kind of going with it, but where yeah. do you see yourself evolving? I have no idea. And, you know, 
growing up, I always had, like I said, I always, always wanted to work in TV production. I knew what I wanted to do. And I quickly realized that once I got to the point, like I got to my goal job or I got my foot in the door, everything would kind of evolve. And once I had this, this kind of game plan in my head and I got there and I wasn't happy, I kind of took it as me doing something wrong. Like I kind of felt like I left, let myself down. And then I was said, okay, I want to do a little bit more social media stuff. Then I did social media and I worked in HR for a little bit while I was interning. And I said, I don't like this either. So I, I think with this whole path, I've kind of let go of expectations because if I did follow my dream, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And I'm probably 10 times happier than I would have been. So I think I've kind of let go of all of my five, 10 year plans, long-term goals. And maybe that's not the most sound advice for, for like retirement and super far down the line. But for right now, I'm really enjoying just taking one day at a time, uh, doing what I, is I'm enjoying at that moment. Um, you know, I recently started writing courses for people. And this is, you know, this is another little turn in, in, my, in my career path. And I don't know if it's what I'm going to be doing in five to 10 years, but when I get there and there might be a day where I say, I'm really tired of this. I just want to do X, Y, or Z. And I think I'm just, right now I'm really comfortable and I'm really loving my job and I'm enjoying it. And I don't really have a plan in place. And I think I'm just rolling with it and that's okay. <laughs> awesome. Now, again, everybody has good days and bad days, right? Like, and we all have, like you said, you had imposter syndrome. And even, and I think everyone has that at some point. So, like, if you had a hard day, how do you get over it? Like, like, do you have a certain system or trick or something? Or do you allow yourself to have that bad day? Or do you constantly just keep fighting it? For sure. And, you know, there's some days where I get in the booth and I can read a full script without any issues. And then there's some days where I have a script due in three hours and I can't make it through it. <laughs> and at that point, I usually will... What I've learned with voiceover is everything you're feeling comes through. If I have a bad day, my reads are not going to be great. I'm going to sound like just a little angry, a little, a little, a little frustrated underneath all the, uh, the smiles. So I've usually realized about 10 minutes into recording, if it's going to be one of those days where I can't even make it through a script, I'll usually try to take inventory of myself, figure out how I'm feeling, figure out what exactly caused it, and then I take a step back. I'll go do something else for a couple of hours. I'll go take my dog for a walk. And sometimes I'll come back to it that day, and other times I won't. And, you know, there's some days where I get, I think I nailed uh, a read, and then I send it off to the client, and they'll say, this wasn't what we were looking for at all. And it's really especially in the beginning, it's really difficult to not take that personally and to realize that, you know, I could do something the way I thought it was supposed to be. And it could just be something completely different that the client wanted. And we'll, you know, it's just, it's, it's not black and white. It's, there's always a gray area. And I just have learned not to take it personally and to understand that we all have good and bad days and I can't let it, I can let it affect me for a few hours. <laughs> and then the next day I have to be ready to go and get out of my funk. Right. I love that. Absolutely love that. Yeah. Because yeah, you're right about that. Not taking it personal kind of thing. It's, it, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Right. I've been through on that uh, end of it where, uh, you know, I thought something was great. I thought it was wonderful. I'm, uh, I'm out celebrating just to read the messages say that it sucks. Yes. Yes. Or you a know. project gets canceled or there's always something. And it, 
it's, you know, I saw a video a few days ago and the, it was kind of a motivational, inspirational video. And the guy said, um, you know, what if I told you that I hated your purple shirt and you weren't wearing a purple shirt? You'd say, I don't care what you say. Like, it doesn't matter because I'm not wearing a purple shirt. And then he switched it and said to the color shirt that he was wearing. And we need to approach it the same way just because somebody else finds something that that you're wearing or what you did or, or the way you recorded a script didn't work or they didn't like it doesn't mean it was wrong. And it took me a long time to, to make that switch in my brain to not get upset or to feel defeated every time there was an error or a mistake or anything of the sort. Makes sense. Now, what would you tell someone who's like looking at your career from the outside in and is ambitious and excited and really, you know, kind of wants to follow the same path. You know, they've been brought up at the same way, go to school, get a good education so they can get a good job. They're being pushed into the corporate world where they really don't want to go. They kind of know the vision they want, but they feel stuck and they don't know how to uh, basically, I, I guess, for the lack of better terms, is they, they're a people pleaser and they do not want to disappoint the parents or anything like that. So... What would you say to that person looking for advice? You know, I hear this a lot. Um, so my boyfriend and I are converting a bus to travel full time. And uh, I also do voiceovers. And one of the things I hear very often are people say, I wish I could do that. And it really upsets me because, you know, we have all these allegiances to our companies and we could be replaced tomorrow. Like most companies don't care about their employees to that level. And I remember one of my first bosses and I, one of my mentors in college, she, and I apologize if I'm not supposed to curse on here, but Go one ahead. of her, one of her things that she used to say is nobody gives a shit about you. And at first you hear that and you're like, what? But it's so true. Companies don't really care about you. It's okay. And I think it's so important to follow your heart and do what you want to do. And, you know, I had family members the same way who didn't think it was a good idea for me to leave my full-time job. And I was taking a huge risk, but I also knew that I had support, not so much financial support, but I had, I had support from my boyfriend and I had people like my friends who believed in me and it's life is just too damn short to be doing something you, you, you can't do. And they, on the flip side, you have people that say you need to do X, Y, and Z in order to get here. And especially in the voiceover category, um, there are plenty of people who say, first, you need to take your voiceover classes and get coaching. Then you need to make a demo. Then you send it out to agents. I didn't do any of that. I started recording in a laundry basket that was lined with a mattress topper from Walmart. Um, I had a $50 mic that I bought used on eBay. And it wasn't my equipment. It wasn't, um, you know, it I didn't go the standard route that people tell you to go in order to, to reach my goals. I just did whatever the heck I had. on. I used whatever I had on hand and I just, it was a matter of heart and perseverance and courage. And it had nothing to do with my training. It had everything to do with how I approached it and the way I did that. So when people are kind of afraid to take that leap, I always think to myself, when I'm on my deathbed, am I going to think, oh, I'm so grateful I didn't follow my dreams and I stayed at this company. No, <laughs> I'm going to be like, damn, I wish I did that thing. So just life is too short to care about what people think or to, to care about uh, leaving your company that you've been with for a long time. 
just let go, let go and do what serves you. And that sounds so like therapist, but it's true. Life is too short. <laughs> absolutely. And you're absolutely right about the corporate world, not caring and all that. Like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to be another guy who's going to pick on Elon Musk here. Um, look at what he said to his executives, you know, like, you know, the work at home thing is over, either come back to work or quit. Right. You know, if that's not as cold as you can get, or doesn't really tell you where you stand, I don't know what does. Yep. Yep. That's exactly, exactly. And I was just thinking, you know, I saw a Facebook memory that popped up today and I, uh, snarkily wrote that I was getting a 10 cent, uh, pay increase for the following year. And I realized <laughs> like looking back now, I was working for a multi-million dollar company and I was getting paid minimum wage and my, my salary increase was 10 cents the following year. Why was I so committed to, to, to the company and to helping them? And uh, I'm just, I'm grateful that I, I ended up doing my own thing and following my dreams. Yeah. And that's the thing. I also believe that uh, we all will find our way at some point. Like the opportunities will be there if we're looking for them. Like you just can't go on with blinders throughout life. And sometimes sure. the opportunities aren't, you know, in front of you the way you expect them to be. It's not like mm -hmm. they knock on the door and say, hey, I'm an opportunity. Are you interested? You know what I mean? Like you got to yep. look for it and see it. Exactly. And like, like I said before, if we're so set on accomplishing these goals, we're not going to be able to take those opportunities and we're not even going to see the opportunities. We have to be willing to change course as life goes on. And, you know, there's a, I feel like there's a lot of shame behind, or not shame, guilt is the better word, guilt behind people who go to college for a certain thing. And then they decide that, you know, it's not working or they, they choose a different career path. And there shouldn't be, there shouldn't, it shouldn't, be there shouldn't be that guilt or that shame around it because we decided something wasn't the best for us. And I mean, I went to school for TV and for for video, and I'm so grateful that, that led me down this path. But like I said, I have to be I had to be willing to make that make that choice. And like you said, you have to be able to see that opportunity and take it, which is really hard for a lot of people. It's true. Now I'm going to be honest here, right? and this is my personal opinion, and I might get some hate mail for this, but I don't care because it's the truth, or at least it's my truth, which is I believe that most people going to university, college, whatever, aren't going because they want to. They're going because they've been programmed to, and they're taking on student debt to really accomplish somebody else's dreams. So true. And you know, I... I was very, you know, I, it, I, I wouldn't even say I was pro-college or university. I just didn't know anything else. I was told that, you know, you go to college, you get your degree, and you work in your field. There was, you know, but there, we have this, uh, in the whole country, we have this lack of people doing trade skills. Um, I, had to, I had to hire a virtual assistant, and I couldn't find one with the skills I needed because people didn't have that because they're, they're told to, to do this certain path or to do certain things. And yeah, I left college. Luckily, luckily, I'm going to put that in air quotes. I only had $25,000 in debt, but I mean, we're, we're setting ourselves up to commit to this idea or to an industry that we're, uh, we haven't even worked in at 18 years old and then you get out, you have thousands and tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And then you got to find a job where you graduated with 10,000 other people that got that same exact degree with the same exact qualifications. 
I could talk about that for days. I totally agree. We're setting ourselves up, self up for failure sometimes. Exactly. Now to be clear, I'm all for education. If you know what you want to do with it, it's okay. just blind education is what my problem is. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. And yeah. And my niece, I'm so grateful. My niece is just about to go to college and she's not sure what she wants to do. And she said, you know, I'm going to stay in County college until I figure that out. And I was so happy for her that she had that, that sense to say, okay, I'm going to waste my money if I choose something just to choose something and go off to college to have the college experience. And I was just, I was, I was really happy that she thought for herself and didn't just blindly follow the plan as people say. Exactly. Now, in terms of what you're doing and in terms of customers, like you started off with Fiverr or Fiverr, whichever way you want to pronounce it. Um, and then you've gone beyond that. Like, so how would you say that you would get most of your business now? I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of referral and repeat business, but beyond that. Yeah. So there's a few different kind of routes that most people go through uh, to do voiceover. Either you do self-marketing, which is when you send out, hundreds of cold emails and hope they get back to you. Or you can do social media, try to find jobs that way, which is also under the self-marketing umbrella. Then there are pay-to-play websites, as they're called, which is uh, Fiverr, Upwork, Voices.com, Voices123, Baldago. These are all uh, websites that you sign up and you pay to be there. Um, and then there's also the route where you get an agent, which I also have, um, and you get auditions sent to you and you audition that way. So I kind of do a mix of all of the above. I kind of have dabbled in different places to figure out what works for me and what doesn't work for me. I think the most important thing I've done is kind of nailed down who my target audience is like any other industry. Um, I do a lot of work for colleges and universities. I do a lot of commercial work. Uh, so I'm able to narrow down who my audience is and go from there. So I would say about right now, I'm probably about 80% of my work comes from Fiverr. And then I probably do another, no, nah, I would say maybe 75%. And then maybe another 10% direct and then another 5% uh, pay to play websites, specifically usually Upwork. Right, right. Interesting. I, um, I, I've seen those websites before. I've seen Upwork and all that, right? But I never kind of got it. How do you price yourself, right? Like that's the other thing, right? Like how do you come up with a price or is it something that... Uh, like, is there a gig as an example where they have the price of what they're offering or do you set your prices? You do set your prices and they do have, um, it's called the global voice acting Academy, which is kind of the stand, excuse me, standards for the industry. Um, and they'll tell you, um, exactly what the industry pricing would be. And that's usually from like an agent's perspective. So say, um, you're doing a movie trailer for a movie that's going to be international and it's going to be in theaters for three months. There are specific pricing for each of those things. And that's when it gets a little bit tricky with um, specifically web websites like Fiverr and Upwork where you set your own pricing um, because a lot of people say, and this is one of the downsides, it's that it's a race to the bottom because people will generally try to price themselves low enough that they get work just simply by their price. So there is a lot of strategy that comes along with it eventually. And you kind of find your sweet spot eventually as to how much you can charge and how much customers are willing to pay and how much you should be charging. So it's kind of just a long process that you kind of tweak and fine tune as you go along, especially in the beginning, I was charging less 
And honestly, I should have been because my reads weren't that good. <laughs> and I'm looking back now and kind of cringing at some of them. But I've raised my rates as time goes on. And yeah, you kind of figure it out as you go. Makes sense. In terms of um, like production and stuff, like you do your own production work? I do. So <clears throat> generally, there's just basic audio editing. And because I had such a strong background in video production, it was really simple for me to just pick up the editing very quickly. Um, some people do choose to outsource all of their editing to audio engineers and to audio editors, but it really cuts into your profits because they generally have an hourly rate or something along those lines. So um, yeah, people do do that route, but I edit all my own, all my own audio. Okay, that's interesting. And, and you learned it, obviously, because you said you went for uh, video production. So conversion isn't that hard if you're editing sound for your video. Editing audio for audio is really, <laughs> you know, exactly. not that much different. So yeah. I get that. I, I find it easier to do audio than it is the video. I um, I can't do video. I, I just, no matter how hard I try, like I, I've loaded, like one time I wanted to put my number on the screen. I had to use five programs to do exactly what I wanted to do. Like I needed one program for the video. I mean, for the number one program to trim, oh, no. you know, I was just yeah. like, Oh, it was That's a disaster. It. So yeah. I, I've done that. And I said, okay, do I want to learn it or do I want to farm it? And I turned around and said, let's just farm it. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, sometimes paying people is so worth your sanity. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I learned on final cut pro, which I was really, really fast with. And then I switched over to Adobe premiere and it's the least intuitive program I think I've ever used. And I had the same exact struggle where I tried to add text and it took me a full half hour of watching YouTube videos. It just was not worth my suffering. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, wow. Like, I have all of them, right? Like, I have the iMovie from Apple. I have uh, Final Cut Pro. I have the Adobe. I even tried uh, DaVinci Resolve. Um and I'm telling you, like for certain little small things like cutting this, cutting that, making clips, no problem. But if it goes beyond making clips, it's got to go. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's the best way to do it. Right, exactly. Now, and that's where I'm going with this is that at some point in time, because I could just see from your work and from everything you're saying, it's going to be a certain point where you're going to maximize what you can do. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say you're probably going to have to outsource when you get to that point because i can't see some you know i can't i just can't see someone saying hey i'm full i'm not going to do any more work yeah right so yeah <laughs> so like that is a struggle that a lot of uh voiceover artists deal with because you know in traditional jobs you can outsource work you can scale your business easily my brand is my voice i can't hire anybody to duplicate that so the most I can do on my end, and I've hired a virtual assistant to do help with, with my marketing. I've hired a marketing company to help with my advertising and my marketing. Um, I've hired, I have, I, I do 95% of my, my audio editing, but in case I get, for example, I had an e-learning project that was about three hours long and I had a lot of other work to do. So I outsourced just that one project to an audio engineer uh, to do and it is hard because how do you grow your business that much if you have to do certain tasks every day? So I've tried my next, my next step. Now, this is a tough one. 
is outsourcing my communications and my like customer interactions, but that's my baby. <laughs> and I'm so nervous to do that. God forbid something happens and I like lose a client or, you know, an account gets banned or something like that. So that's down the road, but yeah, scaling your business is definitely, definitely a challenge. I'm going to uh, assume here based on what you said that you have trouble letting go of certain tasks. The one, yeah, control problems. What are those? <laughs> no, the one thing that that really on Fiverr, there's it's very easy to accidentally break a rule and get your account banned. So that's a really hard one because you know, say I hire somebody to do my communications, they don't realize you can't give somebody your phone number to answer a question, and then my account's gone and I lose my income. So. At the same time, I'm also at the point now where, you know, I, I wanted to travel full time on, on my bus and I said, okay, I'll, I'll work, I'll get this job where I'll just work a couple hours here and there. And then I got to the point where I, like I'm, I'm successful at what I'm doing. And how do you maintain balance at that point? How do I grow yes. my business while also understanding that I don't want to keep working? I don't want to work eight hour days. I want to be able to enjoy my time traveling. It's, it's definitely a conundrum. And it's, there's been a lot of uh, unhealthy work-life balance at some points. And it's just a lot of trial and error and uh, trying to not pull my hair out. <laughs> Makes sense. I, I was going to ask you all that and you answered it before I got to that. That's exactly where I was heading. So, because I mean, yeah, that, that work-life balance is just, I, I find it doesn't exist. Now, that's one of the other reasons why it's important to constantly do what you love. Because if you don't, you're going to end up doing stuff and that's going to interrupt the life you want to do. And you're just going to be resentful. Absolutely. And I, that was actually one of the things I addressed in my last course is, okay, you're finally successful. You made it. What do you do now? Do you want to, do you want to work 15 hour days trying to scale your business? Or do you want that, that work-life balance that we're, we're trying to achieve? And, you know, the joke is that you, you start freelancing because you, don't want to work the nine to five. And then you find yourself working 24 hours a day and it is a struggle. And, you know, I had to, especially in the beginning, because it's, it's a little funny because there's probably some psychology involved here. When I first started getting jobs on Fiverr, you know, my phone would ping every time um, I got a new order. And so that is like an endorphin serotonin release every time that happened at the beginning. So I would hear it go off at two o'clock in the morning and I'd wake up and I'd start messaging them. And my boyfriend was like, what are you doing? It's too, go sleep. <laughs> and I, I had to dial it back. And, and then I found myself, you know, just responding to one email at night or just recording something really quickly. And I, I quickly realized I was just getting so burnt out. And that's when I had to really just figure out what was important to me. I had to, I officially turned off my notifications on my phone. I'm only going to use my laptop and I'm only using my laptop between like 9am and four. So I can't allow myself to slip back into the unhealthy, uh, the unhealthy side of things of entrepreneurship and stuff like that. So yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's a lot, it's a learning curve of, of what works and what doesn't work, especially as a business owner, because you're wearing so many hats. You can't not do one thing and then do another thing where you can't, sometimes you can't say, I'll do that tomorrow. So it's, it is a lesson as I'm sure you've learned many, many times. Yes, I'm actually at the same point as you were already been where I'm going to start 
disconnecting my phone from everything. So uh, yeah. I can just look at my computer. I figure I'm on it enough. I don't really need the phone. Um, exactly. So I got three last questions before we go into a, a lightning round. Okay. And, um, and they're quick questions. Well, at least two of them are. One question is, how do you know it's been a successful day? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I would say a few months ago, I would have said that when I didn't have a bunch of revision requests or like changes to requests, but that's a terrible way to measure my, my self-worth or my success. Because like we said before, um, there's no right or wrong way to do something. It's just, it's, it's totally just, it's a gray area. I can't think of the word I'm trying to say. Uh, subjective. Everything is yeah. subjective. So that's a terrible way to figure out my productivity or, or my skill level. Um, I would say at this point, if I'm not super stressed with a headache, it's a great day because that means I was able to uh, regulate myself and my working enough that I didn't overwhelm myself. Awesome. Um, second question is in terms of everything you're doing, because I'm hearing some of the stuff that you said, you plan to do a course for people to subscribe to like where you can teach other people. Mm -hmm. So that was, so I have a, Oh yeah. So I, I started up I, cause I had a business insider article come out uh, a, a little over a year ago. And um, which is wonderful because I inspired so many people to start doing voiceover. And it was, it was such a, a, it was such wonderful feedback because, you know, like I said, I didn't have the most traditional way of coming into voiceover. And a lot of people are discouraged or dissuaded by the people who say you have to do X, Y, and Z. So I had all these people reach out to me and uh, they were asking questions about Fiverr and about um, just getting started in voiceover. Or what, what equipment do I buy? And I said, you know what, I'm just going to make a course. And I, every single thing I've ever learned about voiceover and about Fiverr, I just poured my heart and soul into these courses. So um, I'm hoping they can inspire people to follow their dream and to not be discouraged by the non-traditional route. Makes sense. And last question before the lightning round, it's going to be, where do people find you online? AliceEverdeen.com. Easy answer. Fantastic. Now let's get into the lightning round. It's little fun questions, personal questions. Yes. I mean, not too personal, but personal. <laughs> like, uh, what is your... Is positive. Sorry, continue. What? I said my blood type is O positive. I was just making a bad oh, joke. There we go. There we go. There we go. She got it out. I was kind of leading to that because I didn't think you were going to answer it on the first question. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what is your favorite food? I'm going to go yellow curry. Interesting. Interesting. Why? Oh gosh, it's coconutty. I okay. like to put I like to put a uh, paneer in it so it's cheesy. Oh, it's just so delicious. It's just so good. I have nothing else. There's so many flavors in it. It's like it just there's so much depth to it. It's just wonderful. If you had the ability to go to any restaurant around the world and it was all paid for, but you can only go to one, which one would it be? Oh my gosh. I would say the fictional restaurant that my boyfriend owns because he has ruined so many dishes for me because he cooks so well. Oh, and I made the mistake yeah. of like, you know, I'll tell him a dish that I like and he'll try to make it better. And he's 
ruined almost all of my dining experiences, which is the best problem I could ever possibly have. But if he opened a restaurant, I wouldn't want to eat anywhere else ever because it's his cooking is phenomenal. That is great. Wow. That is a treat. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not great for the waistline, but it's great for my heart and my soul. <laughs> awesome. Now, what would be your favorite vacation spot? I really enjoyed um, Vietnam. That was probably my favorite place I visited. Oh, okay. What was that about? Um, I just went there just for fun, but I went to um, Ho Chi Minh City. I went to Hanoi. I went to um, Ha Long Bay, and it was the food is fantastic. Everyone's super nice. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's just a very um, it's a way more relaxed way of life. There's not, uh, at least from what I saw, there wasn't as much stress and it wasn't just go, go, go all the time. Um, it was just, it was beautiful. It was a great trip. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds fun. Mm -hmm. What would be your, um, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, your, oh, crap. I hate when that happens. You, you, you just go blank. Happen. Yeah, 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 exactly. I just had one. Okay, I'm going to skip over that. Oh, what was uh, your favorite activity, indoor or outdoor? activity uh i make soap that's always fun i enjoy that a lot uh activity i also love taking my dog for a walk it sounds so corny but like i wake up i wake up ungodly early in the morning i don't know why my body doesn't doesn't know anything else but i wake up at like six o'clock every day and i take him for a walk and it's still, it's just that couple hours in the morning where nobody's awake yet and it's still quiet and it's still cool outside. And it's just such a beautiful, relaxing time. And then I also teach and do yoga. So I'm, I'm a dabble in all things, but those are probably my favorites. Fantastic. Favorite podcast? Yours, duh. In addition, oh. <laughs> last podcast on the left, which is totally, uh, totally the other flip side of things, but it's a, it's a, it's a murder it's a, I'm sorry, it's a true crime podcast, but they are hilarious. Vulgar, hilarious. Nice. I've never got into that. Not because there's anything wrong with it. I just never came across it. Yeah, it's good. Um, and, to, and final, final, final thing. I'm ready. Is going to be, what is your favorite book if you read? Oh my gosh. I'm currently reading The Maid. And I like it. I like it so far. It's another. It's another murdery one, um, but it's about a maid who finds a one of her one of her guests is found dead and in her room in their room, and they, it's like a whodunit kind of thing. But it's it's pretty good so far. I'll I'll let you know if it's good or not at the end. <laughs> that sounds good. Awesome. I want to say thank you for uh, being on the podcast. This has been amazing. A ton of fun. Thank you so much. And you were a fantastic host. Thank you. Very, very well done. <laughs> awesome. And I'm sure we'll uh, check back with each other in the future and uh, maybe you, you know, check back again in a year, see how things are going. Absolutely. I, I hope it's good. Let's hope for both of us that we're both swimming in happiness. <laughs> exactly. If you like what you saw and you want to see more, subscribe to the link below. Thank you for tuning in to the John Papaloni Show.